addiction. It claws its way into your life, stealing your hope and leaving you feeling utterly lost. You try to fight it, but its grip is tight. Its strength, overwhelming. You may feel defeated, but there's still a light burning. It's the light of hope, of recovery, and it shines from those who have faced the monster of addiction and emerged victorious, transformed by the power of faith. Welcome to Restored by Faith, the addiction recovery podcast, where we ignite the flame of hope by sharing triumphant stories of individuals who have shattered the chains of addiction and found true freedom in Christ. These are not just tales of overcoming a struggle. They are war cries, testimonies of resilience and transformations fueled by unwavering faith. Let's dive in. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Restored by Faith podcast. Today, I'm your host again. My name is Chris Busher, and I am sitting here with our very first student that we are interviewing here on this podcast. Uh, His name is Mitchell. I'm going to bring him on here in a moment, and he's going to share a little bit of his testimony, what brought him here, what God is doing in his life, and hopefully the idea is to kind of give all of our listeners kind of an insight to what it's like to be a current student in our program out here in East Texas, out here in Deport, Texas. So Mitchell, welcome to Restored by Faith. Thank you so much for being willing to kind of pour your heart out and kind of just share what God is doing in your life. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Pastor Chris, for having me on. Uh, I remember when you first mentioned having a podcast room built and, and this this Teen Challenge Center in Deport, I was just so excited to be able to, to give my testimony and, and let the world know what God's doing. Amen. Um, Why don't you share just a little bit about who you are, why you're even in this program? Go ahead and just share share your testimony. Tell us, you know, where you come from, what God, what happened in your life, what brought you to a place where you're willing to say, you know what, I'm going to give up at least 12 months of my life <laughs> to to have an opportunity at life. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so I like to think of it like, uh, you know, the Lord had a big calling on my life before I was born, but the devil knew that. And um, so even before I was born, my mother was um, abandoned at a young age. Her her family was really rough. They were in and out of prison. And um, But at the same time, God is good, and he works. And uh, she was adopted by my pops, Robert Addy, who was actually a, a very active member in the church out here in Paris Baptist and one of the greatest role models in my life. So before I was born, the devil tried, and then God won. Um, I was born in Richardson, Texas. On August 28, 1997, um, lived with my mom. Uh, my dad, he he uh, he was kind of a rock star. He he lived his his lifestyle, and he wasn't around. So at an early age, I didn't really get the idea of what real love should be like. Um, and uh, so I was, uh, you know, I had a little. I was confused. I didn't understand why my dad wasn't there. But uh, this was at a very young age. So. My mom's working very hard, a single mom. Um, I turned four years old, and my wonderful sister, Lainey, is brought into the world at 2001. Well, at the same time, my grandmother, Mimi, passed away from cancer. And so I had my first taste of death. Um, I was confused. I remember visiting her in the hospital room, and just she didn't know my name. She didn't know who I was. And this was a woman who showed me the love of God at a young age. So... Um, I was just confused, and this was the beginning of some rage and anger that I had as a child. Um, that same year, one night, my mother was out working, and our babysitter didn't show up. And me, being the very smart but very devious young kid, um, I called the police because I was worried. 
That led to CPS finding me and my sister alone and eventually taking us away from my mother. Um, I spent a year out in Florida with my father's uh, family, and I didn't know who they were at the time. I'd never met them before, um, and they did their best. But at that time, I found my I found myself being molested sexually, and I was open to the lust of the flesh of this world. Um, so at a very young age, the devil, he, he tried to get into my head and, and just destroy who I was. He, he wanted me to destroy myself. So fast forward a few years, I eventually come back to Texas. Thank God my, my older sister, Bree, and my mom come find me about a year later in Florida. And uh, I come back, but at this point, I am I am somewhat corrupted. Uh, I just remember at a young age wanting to have a girlfriend, wanting to have girls, and, you know, that, that went on for, for most of my life. Um, I turn eight years old. My mom meets my stepfather. Um, she had been looking for a man for a while, and she found a, a nice one. We moved from an apartment to a, a bigger house, and we had more things, and things were good. But I remember I still had this hole in my heart, this rage in my heart. Why wasn't my dad around? Why wasn't my grandma around? I didn't understand it. So that year, I lived in McKinney, Texas, and um, I was only there for one year, and I got in trouble. I got into a fight with a kid at school, and I hurt him with a rock. And, you know, that's just one way that the enemy can manifest into our lives is uh, by through, our, through my actions, I, I brought violence upon another kid. And I was just really little. I didn't know at the time, but, you know, I was being attacked too. So we moved from McKinney to Farmersville because of such incidents. And uh, I began school as a Farmersville farmer. <laughs> uh, third grade, all the way up until ninth grade, I, I lived in Farmersville, Texas. Things were good. I met my first love, Ashley. Um, I, I, I was okay. I began smoking weed and drinking with my friend Tyler. Um, in seventh grade, and I began skipping school, and just I was trying to fill this hole in my in my in my heart, and I tried to fill it with drugs or alcohol or women, and you know nothing compares to the love of God. But really, that's what I was looking for was the love of the Lord. So I began living this double life. I would make great grades at school, but I would try to find a way to satisfy my flesh and and just smoke weed or or leave school, and all these things that, you know, a, a young kid in the world doesn't realize how much damage he's doing. So uh, I make my first plane trip to Houston. This is, I'm about 14 now, and no, I'm about 12 years old now. Um, it's, it's my first trip to Houston. I, uh, I'm i with my friend, Tyler, and we're hanging out, and I just, I spend all my money on weed. <laughs> I got like, $130 for my stepfather, and I spent it all on some weed, and uh, I thought that's wh what I needed to satisfy myself. And uh, that same day, we, we we wanted to go to the park. We wanted to have fun. We had been drinking alcohol. I mean, we were just all kinds of messed up. And I remember crossing the street, and I see a cop car right behind me. And me and my my friend Tyler were like, oh, no, he lights us up. All of a sudden, there's four police vehicles surrounding us. I end up getting my first charge for marijuana. Me being a, a devious knucklehead, I tell them that my name is, like, Michael and that my birthday is whatever. You know, I lie to them completely, thinking I can get away. And, um, you know, I come back home 
Well, the day of my court date, you know the justice system's always going to find out. Well, and uh, the day of my court date, my stepdad finds out, and he shaves my head bald and makes me weedy the whole backyard and takes me to, to Houston. And I go to, I go to my first court case ever. I get my first taste of the justice system. And I just remember the DA saying, I don't want menaces like you in my town ever. You're, you're breaking down society. And, and I'm just a young 15 year old kid. Like I just got caught at the wrong time, but they thought I was a drug dealer. So at that point, I just remember feeling so blamed and, and I felt like nobody understood what I was going through. Um, all the years that I grew up, I didn't really open up to my parents. I never shared with them my feelings or my heartbreaks. And I don't really know why, but I know that I should have, you know. Um, when we're children of God, we're supposed to be open and honest and, and confess everything that we go through. So I come back, and that happens to me. We end up moving again to Emory, Texas, which is a small town about an hour an hour away from here. And at this point, I had been I had perfected living this double life. Um, I I was finding ways to get high at school, to skip school, to leave school, to smoke cigarettes, as well as make good grades. So I was good at being bad, and it was it was to me it was what satisfied me. But I realized I was building up this persona that would just be knocked down by the Lord at one point. So I, I graduate high school, honors, 10th um, in my class, great grades, but at this point I had been popping Xanax, popping pills, um, drinking Robitussin, um, just any way to get messed up. And um, I broke up with Ashley, the, the woman I met in middle school, because um, I had over-sexualized our relationships, another way that the devil had tried to corrupt me at a young age. So high school's over with. I'm on my way to college. Woo! That's what I thought. I realized that this, satis this, this desires that I had of my flesh were not satisfied, and I had such a huge hole in my heart that college wouldn't fix it, another girl wouldn't fix it. Um, I go to college, and I end up failing all my classes because my heart's just not in it. And I end up starting my gang affiliation um, at a young age. So I was there. I was at college for about one semester. And uh, I remember just walking around at night, just looking. I don't know what I was looking for. I, I guess looking back now, I was just looking for some kind of love or, or adventure, something to satisfy this hole in me. And I just couldn't find it. And um, I end up having to drop out of college because my FAFSA didn't go through and I owed $10,000 to the college. So Ooh. yeah, I couldn't pay that, you know, and, uh, I had to, I had to go home. And at the same point, my girlfriend had left me for someone. So I go home and I didn't really speak much about it, but my mom had kind of a, uh, an addiction problem at this time. Um, I would go into the kitchen and, and just see her kind of nodding out um, trying to cook something and it broke my heart for a while but I didn't know how to handle it so I would get angry at her and so I left the house to go to college well when I come back I joined her in this addiction um, I began taking Oxycontin pills um, 60 milligrams and I would do that and then make my music 
fall into the the trap that is rap music and the lies that are you know um being adulterous and idolizing a, a fine woman and this went on for about a year and a half of me just taking these these really hard drugs and then just falling deep into the lies of of the devil i was gang affiliated and didn't want to go anywhere at, at some point i got so so sick i couldn't leave my house and uh it was it wasn't healthy for me and my mom either cuz we shared that that was our love was the pills so that's about a year and a half of my life at this point i am 19 and i meet another girl well i move out i get off of the pills and I go live with this woman, and I think, well, maybe this woman will fill my hole in my heart. And at first it did, but just like the devil corrupted me at a young age, our relationship was only about lust. Um, I had a great job. I worked hard for money. I, I had a vehicle. I helped pay for her vehicle, and, and we had a long relationship, but it was built on anything that's not the Word of God. <laughs> yeah. And um, it didn't last. I found myself still trying to... Um, get into the underworld, I guess you could say. I was selling drugs as well as working. And I remember one day driving down the highway. Um, I had found out my my girlfriend at the time was being unfaithful. And I was so angry and so strung out. I went 110 down the highway and almost wrecked. I spun out. And um, it was uh, it was just a terrible moment in my life. But it was the first moment in my life that I think the Holy Spirit was talking to me. Because I just had this feeling, it was like, this is not how it's supposed to be. And it was deep. And uh, I couldn't shake it. So around this time, I find out that my sister tries to commit suicide. And it was one thing that really broke my heart and made me realize where are my values at, you know? I'm hoping on these physical things in the world. I'm hoping on money. Money makes me happy on this woman. Well, meanwhile, my sister's back home. Um... You know, my mom's back home and, and they need they need me, you know, but I, I'm not I'm not worried about that. So my sister tries to commit suicide. Thank God she's still alive today. Um I end up going back home and at this point I I'm just a mess. Um my addictions have run wild, my flesh has taken over, I can no longer control myself. Um I I, I, I'm not ashamed to say it. I've tried every drug under the sun just to try to satisfy this hole, and nothing worked. Um, so it's about 2020 now. I've had about five or six vehicles, lost them all. Oh, and my house burned down. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> that's kind of a big one. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. Uh, you know, I look back, and I think that that was God really showing me not to be materialistic. Because I had this really nice watch that I always wore, and I flaunted it around. It was a Rolex, and it had diamonds on it. And I lost it, as well with everything else. And uh, back then, I was angry. You know, that just built up my rage, and the enemy was winning. But I, I'm so thankful that God makes the blind to see, because now I can see how he was working. And he, that was his wake-up call, saying, Mitchell, none of these things matter. Just look for me. And um, so... Let's see, uh, it's 2020, uh, I moved back in with my parents, my mom and my stepdad, and their relationship's really rocky, and I'm not happy at home, I'm still in my addiction. It gets very bad to the point where my gang affiliation and my um, addiction with drugs 
affects my home life and my family all move out of my house. So I'm the only one left in this house. It's like a three-bedroom, two-story house. It's $1,300 a month. And I have a really good job, but I'm trying to balance my job and my my street life. So I'm trying to sell drugs to, to people in this town that all know me as a young kid as well as work and do drugs at the same time. So, you know, have you ever heard the term burnt out? Oh, yeah. I was burnt out. I imagine. Yeah, it was it was um, it was deep. But, um, you know, we sometimes just like Jonah did in the belly of the beast, we run from the calling. And I ran from my calling for a long time. So I don't want to get too much into it, but I ran with some guys that just weren't any good. And my family was in danger. And I began to understand the fear of death that the enemy will put in us. I truly feared death. I truly feared death for my family, and I thought I was the only one that could save them. I didn't have God in my life. So I I get kicked out of my home. I go to uh, Grand Saline, Texas. I lived there for about a year. My addiction just gets worse. My I become a womanizer. I mean, I just have no love in me. I'm selfish. I, I'm the epitome of a, a selfish man at this point. And then I lose that apartment, and I end up homeless. Um, my father, my real father, our, our relationship kind of rekindles at this point, and he gives me a, a chance to redeem myself and, and a, a place to stay, and he gives me an opportunity to be the man that I'm supposed to be, and I break all my promises. Um, I don't help him with financial situations. I don't save my money. I come home drunk, and you know when I'm living with him, he's with his his uh, his partner at the time, Ashley, and she has a kid there. So I'm coming home drunk around a kid, but my human mind, my corrupted mind, was angry when they kicked me out. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, there's kids. You know, the Bible says that we our greatest thing to do is to teach kids the right way. And I'm going around a child drunk, so I'm just I'm deceived at this point, and um, I just yell at the world. I have rage, and it got to the point where I was homeless for about a, a week or so. I didn't have anywhere to stay, and thankfully my sister helps me out. So I have all these second chances for, through my family, but my attitude is not changing. I'm not I'm not looking to something bigger than me to to give all my desires. Um, and I keep failing over and over. I keep losing everything. Um, eventually my family gives up on me. And I end up in the loony bin one day. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't end up in the loony bin for no reason. Uh, the day before I end up in the loony bin, I had tried to pour gasoline all over myself. And I thought that if I burned up, that my spirit would be free from the hell that I was living in and that I, I would be okay. But, you know, that's how the devil lies. Oh, yeah. It sound, sounds like you were in a completely lost and desperate situation right there. Yeah, absolutely. I truly felt like, you know, I was no use to my family or anyone around me. I thought I just brought bad with me. Um, I thought people were out to kill me. I thought I was being followed. I mean, all these lies in my head. And... um so I go to the Looney Bin, crazy experience there. Uh, I meet some very good people, 
they're very good people everywhere. You know, that's something that the Holy Spirit helped me realize is matter you're rich or poor, if you've given your life to God, you're just you're just like me. You're a great person who's in a broken world. Um but you know, I at this point I'm I'm still not saved. I uh I'm very depressed and I, I just feel useless. I'm in this cycle that I don't know how to get out of and I leave the loony bin or the mental institution. I, I, I don't know why I call it that, but I leave the mental institution and, and find myself in a trailer in Terrell with uh, a good, he, he's a good friend of mine, but he's also someone that I shouldn't have been around, you know, um, not to speak too much on it, but there were drugs, there were just gang activity going on where I was. And at this point, I was so broken, I would just lay in bed all day. I wouldn't do anything except to go get a drink or get something to eat and just cry. I was comfortable in my despair. I was happy in my sadness, or or so I thought. You know, I I, re- I would I remember calling my dad every night, and I would just I'd ask him what's happening. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I didn't know that. I was surrounded by death. Death was at my doorstep because I sinned so much and so deep. And I would just call and cry and cry, and they couldn't help me. Um, My dad tried to tell me, you know, um, and he never gave up on me. None of my family ever gave up on me. They're the the greatest family I could ask for, man, and God is truly working through them to help me. But I remember one night, and this is one of the wildest things. This is how I know the Lord has been working. I was uh, in this, basically it's a trap house, and, you know, there's guns. I'm just laying in my room. I hear click clacks of guns down the hallways every night. One day I come out my room, and my friend, who is involved in all these, you know, things, these worldly things, he's quotes scripture. <laughs> he says, many are called and few are chosen in a trap house. Yeah. Of all places. And at that point, the seed was planted in my head, and I started looking at a Bible. I was looking at it from the side of my eye, and I was like, hmm, should I pick up that thing? <laughs> you ever had a Bible in your room, and it just it calls you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I knew, you know, I had nothing left to give. I had I had nothing of my own. I was broken completely. 25 years old, nothing to— to my name, I had lost probably like at least one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars worth of things, just because of my own desires. And um, I cried out to God. I cried out to Jesus. I just, I, I, I said the sinner's prayer. I asked for forgiveness for everything I had done, and I just asked for a way out. Lo and behold, two weeks later, my grandma calls, and she, she knows about Teen Challenge of Oklahoma. Amen. Yeah, so Amen. here I am uh, in Deport now, and it's it's been great. Now you've been you've been a student now for how many months now? So I've been a student in Deport for about actually today would be my fourth month. Still counting those days, huh? Yes, <laughs> yes. Now, so you've been here with us for four months, and you know I'm sure that you know there has been some difficult times and some great times. Let me ask you just a to get a little personal here, what was probably the most difficult moment uh, in your experience of being here at, at Teen Challenge here in Deport, East Texas Men's Center, um, the most difficult moment where you had to really trust 
that God had called you here uh, for a purpose and that you got to see God really move in that moment? Oh, Chris, um, the most difficult moment here would uh, probably be right after I get home from the fair. Um, I know that I messed up, you know, I because I, I had to give up all my desires and I'm still struggling with addiction. And so, you, you were wor- you were doing one of those work jobs at the fair and then you, you came home later that day. And so what happened? Yeah. So I come home later that day and um, it, <laughs> I come home and I'm on discipline. You know, <laughs> the news is broken to me that I, I won't be able to talk uh, during during uh, meals. I, I have chores to do. I have dishes to do. And it was just one of the toughest moments to give up. Now, what what did you do to get on discipline? Just so our, our <laughs> listeners know that we're not heartless here. What did you do? Yes. So uh, I, I... Did you not pray loud enough? Or <laughs> what did you do to get on discipline? No, I satisfied my flesh. I, I, I smoked a vape. I hit nicotine. And that's... That's one of the things that keeps me down. Yeah. And know? so for, for those that don't might not know, our program, we believe in being 100% drug-free, 100% addiction-free. Yes. It's kind of what makes us a little bit more unique than a lot of other uh, recovery places or recovery centers is because we don't even allow things such as tobacco, tobacco or mind-altering medications. We believe in, you know, just doing whatever we can to, to separate ourselves from those things to rely solely on God. And, and it's it's difficult. It makes it more yeah. difficult than anywhere else. Um, so you got on discipline because you were vaping. Um, and, you know, so when you're on discipline, you know, you don't get extra desserts. You have to do <laughs> the dishes, you know, after the meals and everything. It's the small things. It's the the small little, things. Those little small things that, you know, you really looked forward to, you know, yeah. like, Maybe Miss Joni's brownies that she brings in or, you <laughs> Man, know, a really good, good dessert that's coming out, uh, you know, but it's designed. What's the purpose of it? What's the purpose of discipline going through that? Oh, Chris, it's such a perfect time that you're asking me this. Um, discipline is necessary to understand the love of God. Um, God says he chastises those he love. And I come from the world where I was doing what I wanted to do anytime I wanted to do it. But that's not how that's not how you find um fulfillment yeah you know so the purpose of of this discipline i see now thank you lord is uh (laughs) just to take away all my own rebellious spirits and to understand that i'm really in good hands here i mean i remember one of uh one of our rallies you said we have a 78 percent success rate for addicts to recover i mean that's absolutely magnificent that would only be possible by the blood of jesus and by being obedient to the rules yeah. And just to kind of clarify, th- those statistics, that was actually done by an independent study back in 2021, where they interviewed over 400 of the Teen Challenge graduates across the United States. And in order to even be interviewed in this study, they had to have graduated a minimum of six months all the way up to several years post-graduation. And what they found was 78% of all of our graduates never returned drugs, alcohol, or nicotine ever again. 90-some percent of them are still active inside of their churches. I mean, they just went through this. I think I got a 30-page report that they got for us Mm. um, where lives are being completely forever transformed, not just 30 days transformed, not just six months transformed. We're talking about forever transformed. Um, But the catch with that is it's our graduates. It's not everyone that walks through these doors. It's the ones that are willing to say, you know what, Jesus, I got nothing left. I'm willing to do whatever it takes here I am, use me. And they go through our program, which is a minimum of 12 months 
going through and it is the hardest thing. They don't call it teen easy. We call it teen yeah, challenge for a teen reason. Challenge. That's and you're right. gonna be one of those graduates someday, Mitchell. Yes. I truly believe in it. I cannot wait to pass that stage, but I will. You yeah. Know, every yep. day I'm learning a new lesson. Now we talked about one of the most difficult moments for you. Let's let's kind of talk about one of the most happy moments. What's one of those things that you have gone through in these four or five months that you've been here that you know that you know that you know that you'll never forget and this has been one of those life changing great moments for you oh well there's been so many um probably the day you met me right yes I, yes <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, uh, what was it so well i remember there's this uh one time it, it's really like the the things that the lord teaches me that really give me so much joy but recently we were at breakthrough church and um i just out there in Paris? Yeah, in Paris, and uh, I was just crying. I, I was just crying for the Holy Spirit to fill me, and and I lifted my hands up and just started, I started crying, man, but it wasn't like I was sad. Yeah. I just felt the Holy Spirit, and it, it, it gave me joy. Um, and, and But, you know, the, the greatest moment, I would say, would be at when we went to Camp Leakey in oh, Leakey, yeah? Texas. Yeah, yeah down, down there for our Spiritual Emphasis Week. Yes. Um, Why was that so impactful for you? That was that was in August. You just yeah. you recently got here at that moment, right? About two or three weeks in. Yeah, I just got here. I was brand new, fresh in the program, and here we go to Leakey, Texas. Um, a beautiful long drive, though. Yeah, it was Texas a long drive. is a big state. <laughs> yes, and it was beautiful. It was uh, it was great. Um, the night it was actually the night that you gave your the morning that you gave your testimony. Okay. Um, it was like. Because I was feeling kind of alienated, alienated. I get these feelings sometimes where I just feel like I'm alone. But I felt like you had gone, you you went through the same struggles, you know? Yeah. The same thing. And at that moment, I knew I was just like, you know, I'm in the right place. I'm surrounded by people who are just like me, even my director, you know? And I was baptized, I believe, the next day and just refreshed with the Holy Spirit. I got to ride on a canoe in, in a river and fall out of that same canoe <laughs> and just, it was great. Now, the um, baptism, that was separate than falling out of the canoe, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what really the only difference is between you and me is I did it almost 18 years ago and you're doing it right now. You know, yeah. the same Jesus that did it for me, he's the same Jesus that's doing it in you right now. Yeah. And and praise God for that. I I can now that I'm here and you know I, I I don't want to say that I'm saved because I it's not by my works, but I know that this sanctification process is going to be daily. You yeah. know, He's already won, but every day is a new lesson. So it's an honor to be here with you and and to be here at Teen Challenge and to just learn new things every day. Um, I'm learning how to be a better support role for my fellow students. I'm learning all walks of life. I mean, we have guys come in from prison. We have guys come in who used to make six figures a year, and we're all broken down to be the man of God. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. I love to ask everybody this uh, as often as possible. You spent how, about how many years in active addiction? Since I was 17 and now, so that would be about eight, about nine eight, years. Eight, eight, nine years. Um, today, as, you, as you're sitting here inside this podcast studio, are are you a drug addict today? No. What are you? I am a redeemed man of God. A whole new creation yes. in Jesus Christ. Yes. Isn't a that a beautiful creation. feeling? It really is. It's it's like the 
the most overwhelming but satisfying feeling I could ever imagine. And you know, my I, I just want to say this real quick. My mom, when I was in my active addiction, my mom had this dream one time. Okay. And she said, we were both angels with armor on us <laughs> in this dream. And it was so like significant to her. And I was like, well, no, <laughs> you yeah. know, at this time I didn't feel like it. Now I realize that it, we both put on the armor of God. My mom just got a house, a car, new teeth. Um, my dad is, he found the Lord after he got out of prison. I mean, the Lord isn't just working on me. He's working on everything. And that's the key right there. That's one of my favorite things. I used to tell people all the time whenever I do like a teen challenge presentation at a church, I would would tell people about how great it is watching these men get transformed. But then I would stop and I would tell them, but that's that's not my favorite part. As exciting as that is, as as exciting as it is to hear lives about like Mitchell here who – who was going the wrong way fast, and then God got a hold of him inside of a trap house of all places yeah. <laughs> and made him a new creation. That's exciting, but what really gets me exciting is seeing what he just talked about, that families are being transformed because of them giving their life to Jesus and because of them starting to follow Jesus. We have no idea the generational effects that are happening because of the decisions that you are making right here today. Absolutely. Your kids, their future kids, their future grandkids, all of that generation after generation after generation will never have to know what you went through as a kid and the Mm. generational curse that went with you going into that life of addiction. They'll never have to know that pain because of what Jesus is doing in your life here today. He's not only setting you free, but he's setting your genetics free. He's setting those future generations free because of a choice that you're making to follow Jesus Christ today. Yes, absolutely. He's sown that seed and is growing. Now, as as we're about ready to kind of close up this episode here, I want to just ask you if, if there's anybody out there that has maybe heard some of the things that you said or maybe even knew you personally that's listening or, you know, maybe it's several months down the road and someone is hearing this episode for the very first time and they're absolutely at the, their wit's end and they don't know if there's hope out there or maybe they know somebody that's just completely trapped in addiction and needs a move from God. And maybe it's at that moment where they are saying, God, it's either you move right now or I'm absolutely lost forever and I'm going to die. What would you say to them? Oh my gosh. Well, first I would say, I love you. And, um, I can't wait to see you again. Um, you know, I'll shout out Teen Challenge, Oklahoma, Canyon, Theo, all you guys. I hope you guys are living great lives. I hope the kids are okay. Um, but to anyone that's really struggling and feels like there's no way out, there absolutely is, and he is with you now. Um, I would encourage you to open your Bible or to reach out to a loved one um, because God works through all of us, and um, he'll always be there with you. Um, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God, but thankfully, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we're all saved, and um, the evidence is everywhere. Just keep your hope on that. And reach out to t- uh, any teen challenge. Um, I don't know about the policy for, for others, but I know that we take in whoever. If, yeah. if, you, need, if you need the help, we will take you in. And yeah, here, here in the United States, if you're a listener in the United States, we have over 200 campuses here in the United wow. States. If you're, if you're in a different country and you might not know that there's a teen challenge there— 
go to go to teenchallengeusa.org or go, look us up. We have over 1,400 locations around the world. Here in Texas alone, we got 14 different campuses. We got men's campuses. We got women's campuses. We got adolescent boys, adolescent girls campuses. Mm-hmm. We even just opened up a, a, a center for, for pregnant women with their small children. I mean, we're, we are trying to do God everything we can to just transform lives. Yes. Here, here at Teen Challenge or at Dalton Teen Challenge. And our campus, we're a, man, a men's campus, so you got to be a minimum of 18 years old or more, and you got to be a man <laughs> to come here. Um, and, you know, a lot of people going through addiction and, you know, family members going through addiction, they might yeah. think, I don't have any money. I don't, I don't have the way to be able to do it, or I don't have insurance. Well, at our campus, um, we got good news for you. We have never, ever, ever once turned down a single person because of financial means. You know, it does cost money and everything, but I know for me personally, I didn't have two pennies to rub together when I came in, you know, to get help. Yeah, you know, I didn't we had, have any Yeah, you didn't either. even have anything <laughs> either. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> you know, so if, if don't let money be a thing to stop you, we, as long as I'm the director here on this campus, we will never, ever, ever turn one person down because of financial problems or because they can't even come up with one dollar. I mean, we even tried to, to drive... You know, within 30 minutes to sometimes even an hour to go pick up a person that is absolutely ready um, to to get help. And I know that there are plenty of other teen challenges out there that that is their heart as well. So um, those of you who are listening, there is hope out there. There is freedom to be found here. Uh, Freedom and hope live here in this campus. And that's that's one thing that will never change out here in Deepport, Texas. Um, Mitchell, I just want to thank you again for, for taking the time and just being vulnerable and opening up and sharing about your experiences here with all of our listeners around the world. Absolutely. It's um, been an honor. Would you do me a favor and kind of close out this this podcast episode with a prayer, a prayer of blessing yeah. for all the listeners out there and just encourage them with a good prayer? Yeah. Okay. Um, dear Heavenly Father, uh, I never knew I would be here now. God, I just ask that for any ears that are, are listening now, that you give them your peace and you let them know that anything asked in the name of Jesus will be done to glorify your name. Um, there's freedom and there's redemption in Jesus. So, Lord, I just ask that your hand touch the hearts of anyone that needs you now, Lord. Um, give them the, the security that they're longing for and, and give them the confidence to know that you want them to prosper and that that you were, you saved you, you sent your son just just to save us. So God, thank you for this campus. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for Pastor Busher and, and bless all our families. Keep us safe, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. As we draw the curtains on another powerful episode of Restored by Faith, we want to thank you for joining us on this journey of resilience, redemption, and unwavering faith. If you or someone you know is battling addiction, we encourage you to reach out to the East Texas Men's Center, where the flame of hope is kindled and lives are transformed. You don't have to face this journey alone. The East Texas Men's Center is here to provide support, guidance, and a community that understands the challenges of addiction. Take that courageous step towards recovery and redemption. Call the East Texas Men's Center at 903-652-2352. Or visit their website at EastTexasMensRehab.org. Remember, the journey to restoration begins with a single step of faith. Thank you for being a part of the Restored by Faith community. Until next time, may the light of Christ guide you on your path to healing and freedom.